It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The show goes on. This is the official show on the Fish Stripes podcast channel. We have constant Miami Marlins coverage for you throughout the 2022 Major League and Minor League seasons. Those seasons perfectly aligned this year with their start date. And just because the Marlins, for the first time in a while, have a good, decent Major League product, that does not take anything away from how we're going to be covering what's happening down on the farm. All the Marlins full season affiliates, their short season affiliates, extended spring training, everything in between. Uh, they say you're supposed to love all of your children equally. Uh, but for me, if you if I was forced to choose, you know, which of the Marlins minor league affiliates uh, I love the most, it would probably be the Pensacola Blue Wahoos, the Marlins AA affiliate. This will be their second season connected with the Marlins and uh, 10 years overall for Pensacola as part of minor league baseball. So we just are barely getting to know the Blue Wahoos from last year, but already a change on the play-by-play broadcaster front. Eric Bremer is stepping into the role that uh, Chris Garagiola had last year, and he comes with a lot of the hype of a conventional top prospect. Only heard great things about the work that you've done elsewhere, Eric, so it's just awesome that you're taking the time to speak to us as we're only a couple weeks away from opening day. Well, I appreciate the kind words, and uh, thanks for having me. I'm just as excited as you are to get baseball started. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, the timing is pretty fitting, Eric, because I just got the notification a few minutes ago that my account got charged the 50 bucks for MILB TV. It's like one of the best investments that I make every single year. Yeah, no, we put it on a good product here in Pensacola. In fact, a lot of the work that we're doing right now is getting the production ready for opening day. We start the season at home on April 8th, and uh, we're going to have a good product, whether you're here in person, listening for free on the radio, or uh, getting that definite value on the MILB.TV subscription. Yeah, I hope to be there uh, in person this year. I was itching to go there last year and just trying to find the right time, but it's it's a high priority because everyone, everyone I know that's been down there has loved it, and uh, thankfully it's a longer season this year than it was last year. Last year was shortened to about 120, and now uh, it's 138. Is that right for this season? Yeah, 138, and uh, most of those are going to be on the front end where we are going to be playing games in April, whereas last year I believe it was May 4th, the first day of minor league baseball, and we had that weird in-between period where the AAA level players were at the alternate site and then they had to transition away. So yeah, just a whole lot easier this year, even with the labor stuff, uh, it feels a little bit more normal this year than it did last year. Sure. Just to give some background info on you, Eric, you're still relatively young broadcaster, but very well-traveled already at this stage. Could you give people a quick rundown of the teams that you've worked with, you know, um, going back to college, I guess, and to the present day, just the different stops you've made along the way before uh, joining the Blue Wahoos. Sure. Well, I went to college at Northwestern University, and uh, that gave me my first opportunity to get behind a microphone and to do so for a Big Ten school where you have a lot of eyes and ears on everything that you do. That was great experience for me. Uh, while I was still in college, I did a summer out in the Cape Cod Baseball League for the Wareham Gateman, and that is a proving ground for broadcasters just as it is for uh, top collegiate players where uh, they're getting their first time uh, swinging a wood bat and traveling on the road and doing all that stuff. Well, same for the broadcasters. You do it on a daily basis for the first time. Uh, after I graduated from Northwestern, uh, I spent a year interning in the communications department of the Minnesota Twins. And then in 2017, I officially joined the minor league ranks uh, as the number two broadcaster in this league, the Southern League, with the Brewers AA affiliate, the Biloxi Shuckers in Biloxi, Mississippi. From there, I went to the Brewers AAA in Colorado Springs, the dearly departed Colorado Springs Sky Sox in their final season as a AAA affiliate. Uh, from there, I did two winters uh, in the Australian Baseball League for the Brisbane Bandits, one of which was a championship season, so that was a lot of fun. And uh, then stateside a year with the Potomac Nationals in their final year in an old ballpark in Woodbridge, Virginia. 2020, there was no baseball, but 2021, that franchise moved down to Fredericksburg, Virginia, where they became the Fredericksburg Nationals. And that was a lot of fun to be part of a brand new thing. And now here I am in Pensacola. Right. You're, um, we'll see if I can find this. Uh, your, your dad, Dick Bremer, he summed it up pretty well in a, in a tweet when this was announced that he's been a wildcat, a gateman, a shucker, a bandit, a sky sock, a peanut a Fred Nat and now a Blue Wahoo. So that's, that's a shortcut, I guess, to get through all that in just a few seconds. Yeah, no, he, he uh, likes to get t-shirts from everywhere that I've worked. And those are his workout t-shirts when he's in the hotel gyms on the road with the twins. So from all those journeys, 
either dozens or perhaps over a hundred different ballparks that you've been to in that time. I'm, I'm curious if there are any like particular oddities that stick out to you or any like you, super unique ballparks or just ones that for people that haven't done a ton of traveling uh, around the country or to Australia, um, think like destinations that you would really recommend to people, whether it's just something that's super comfortable or just entirely unique that you've been able to come across. Well, if you're looking for unique, Australian baseball is definitely the place to be because so much of the infrastructure there is retrofitted to other facilities. The Brisbane uh, Bandits home ballpark is an old club level facility that uh, butts up against uh, a soccer training facility. So center field is like 360 feet. I'm not sure what that is in meters, but uh, it's a very shallow center field. And then in that league, at least prior to the pandemic, was the Auckland, New Zealand Tuatara and they played in an old retrofitted rugby stadium. So kind of like uh, the Metrodome or uh, the old Marlins uh, facility that went by many names, uh, to have a multi-purpose facility means that you have some weird dimensions and weird bounces and stuff like that. They called it the Teal Monster down there in Auckland because they had a big left field wall and they were trying to market it like Fenway Park. Um, but here in America, you know, minor league baseball has a lot of charming older ballparks and a lot of outstanding newer ballparks. And uh, as long as you go into it with an open mind, there's something to like for everyone. Absolutely. Uh, you'd mentioned before that you're a Northwestern alum. That's the same as Glenn Geffner, who is Absolutely. the radio voice of the Marlins. I did notice that uh, Yeah, it seems that you know him. That How, how did that come about? How, how well do you know Glenn on the major well, league? Glenn, to his credit, has been a great supporter of student broadcasters at Northwestern. And uh, even when I was just a student there, uh, he made a point of making himself available to anyone who wanted to pursue this as a career. I obviously had other connections uh, that I was able to leverage as I decided that I wanted to do this. But uh, Glenn has been a great resource. He's a great guy. And uh, we've continued to stay in touch. We'll probably have some interaction over the course of the season here as uh, they check down on the farm. Sure. Yeah. He's been a big supporter of what we do here at Fish Traps too. He's been a guest on the pod a couple of times on our live streams. He's, he's amazing. And he, um, I think this is the first year where he's truly going to be the lead play-by-play -play for about 162 games this year. And it's very well-deserved. He's awesome. Well-deserved honor. And uh, talk about someone who has paid their dues. He did the minor league journey that so many of us have uh, taken that I'm taking right now. And to see that rewarded, with a lead job in a city that he's known his entire life. It's very cool. Right. And, and speaking of connections, you know, your predecessor here at Pensacola, that was Chris Graggiola. Um, were you, did you speak with him before uh, taking this job and what may have he told you, whether it's just advice or observations about what it's like covering this team and living in the Pensacola community? Chris has been a great resource to me. I got to know him in 2017 when we were both breaking in in this league at the same time, uh, him with Pensacola and me over a couple hours down the road in Biloxi. And uh, there are some obvious similarities between us two in terms of the multi-generational aspect. And uh, I think we have very similar sensibilities as well. So uh, when the Blue Wahoos for a season became a Twins affiliate, I was always keeping tabs on him and just, uh, you know, keeping in touch. And then when this opportunity arose, when he got his well-deserved call to the big leagues as the voice of the Arizona Diamondbacks or a voice of the Arizona Diamondbacks, um, and we kept in touch and uh, uh, it turned out that uh, I'm going to take his place. So very cool. And the one, two. 
Grounded up the middle, who's got it? Sims on a dive, taps the bag, throws to first, double play! Unbelievable! One of the finest plays you'll see all season. Does it get any better than this? Demetrius Sims! So what are some of your first impressions of Blue Wahoo Stadium itself? Uh, perhaps prognosticating the, the playing style and, and what the conditions might be like during games or uh, just the amenities that you've seen now that you've probably had some time to explore it. And also the fact that this year is, I believe, the first year that's using an artificial turf surface, um, one of the very few minor league teams that do so apparently the same sort of material that the Marlins use at their ballpark. Just all, any of your observations about those elements entering this season. I got my first taste of Blue Wahoo Stadium back in 2017 when I did a road trip with the Biloxi Shuckers and I was very impressed, but only had to, uh, you know, only experienced it for a brief time, a couple games at a time. Uh, now that I'm here and I have more equity in this ballpark, in this area, it's outstanding. And uh, we really haven't seen it in its full form since maybe last week because I showed up a little more than a month ago and the turf was still getting in. They didn't actually finish the turf process until last Monday, I believe. And uh, then last Tuesday, we started hosting some Division Three games. In fact, if you hear any cheers in the background, that's uh, UW-Whitewater playing uh, Blue Wahoos classic the uh, college tournament here down on the field as we speak so uh yeah it's a gorgeous place you mentioned the artificial turf it's going to be the same material as lone depot park and also the marlins high a affiliate in beloit the beloit right. skycarp so there's going to be some consistency across the organization and that can only help things if you want to develop someone who is going to be playing at the major league level on a surface like this it's good that they have some experience on it another new thing this year uh they upgraded the standards for overhead lighting. So mm -hmm. we have upgraded to LED lights that uh, put on a really cool show when you hit home runs and stuff. Haven't quite seen that in practice with the fans in the stands yet, but uh, I'm sure before too long, someone's going to hit a walk-off home run and it's going to be even cooler because the light show we can put on. Great. Yeah. I think memory serves me right. That AAA Jacksonville has done something similar to that through the years that you really, even from MILD TV, you really get a good sense of the effect. So that's that's a nice touch that people will enjoy. Um, yeah, and I came from Fredericksburg where we had a brand new ballpark and they too had the LED lights that could do some very cool stuff. So it adds to the in-person experience. And uh, if you do it right, it can really add to the broadcast as well. For sure. I, I had a question about uh, a couple of things from minor league baseball last year it was the first year of the six day a week scheduled tuesday through sunday with monday off days i think we spoke to chris about this like towards the end of last season and got some feelings from him but i'm sure everybody handles that a little bit differently and it just in general it seemed that most people really appreciated that that change in the consistency from week to week throughout the year i'm curious about how that was for you and any side effects uh we might not consider from outside about what it is to have like that stable schedule all throughout the year. I really liked it because, you know, as someone who travels on the road with the team, you're pretty much cutting the amount of bus travel in half. If you're doing a six game series rather than pairs of three game series. And uh, I, I think the most underrated aspect of it, the most underrated improvement is that you are always playing the series finale on a Sunday. More often than not, it's scheduled in the afternoon or early evening. And that gets you back at a decent time. 
It allows you to fully enjoy or utilize that Monday off day, however you see fit. And, uh, you know, I don't mind as a baseball purist of sorts, I don't mind seeing an entire rotation all the way through. Uh, that was one thing that I talked to scouts last year. So many of them, you know, if you wanted to see, say, the Birmingham Barons when they came to town, well, you had to keep close tabs on what their rotation was lining up as because what's the point in seeing the Birmingham Barons if their ace pitcher isn't going to even appear in the series? Well, with a six-game series, you know you're going to see everyone in the rotation at least once, someone, perhaps, if you have a five-man rotation, even twice. And uh, that's an adjustment for sure, but something that I like. The one thing that I would have liked last year, and I'm very pleased to see that we've made some moves in that direction this year, is a little bit more variety of schedule. A lot of that was just for COVID reasons, simplifying the schedule, minimizing the time that everyone was crammed on a bus. But uh, in the last year, speaking of the low A East, the league that I was in last year, now at the Carolina League again, uh, I think we played 96 of our 120 games against three teams in our division, and that got repetitive over time. Uh, so this year, there's a little bit more variety. Uh, speaking now in the 2022 Southern League, uh, we, I believe, play everyone in our division twice at home, twice on the road, and then once at home, once on the road for the teams in the other division. So I think that's about the right mix, and it'll give us a little bit more variety as we see different teams come in throughout the season. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I love perfect segue into what I was going into talking about the league names, how last year all the names were kind of stripped of their tradition and went uh, as generic as possible across all the minor league levels. And it seems they did a quick reversal on that to go back to the, the historic names with Pensacola being in the Southern league. I mean, from the outside, I really didn't know what the big deal was about that. Maybe you have a better perspective on it, about why people felt as passionately as they did about those league names. Well, I don't want to, tell any tales out of school, but I believe the reason that they changed last year was in the transition from the minor league baseball operating as an independent entity to now being under the umbrella of major league baseball, there were some legal ramifications, some copyright concerns that they had about uh, who owned the rights to the different league names and all that stuff. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know how all that went down, but uh, it made sense at least for last year to err on the side of caution. Um, I feel pretty strongly that one of the charms of minor league baseball is its connection to history. Speaking of the Southern League, you know, this goes back to the 19th century, I believe 1899 at the very least, uh, is when the Southern League first operated in this region. And even though Pensacola has only been here for 10 years, you go to a market like Birmingham and uh, you have that connection 
to the Birmingham Barons of old, the Michael Jordan days. And then you go back even farther to, you know, the early part of the 20th century. You have uh, Negro Southern League history. You have other aspects of it that I think it just makes a lot more sense to have it connected to history because that's one of the reasons baseball is so unique. History is always present in conversations about the game. Now that I think about it, um, Jacksonville very recently moved up to AAA, but for decades they had been part of the Southern League. And you you can notice that they did really uh, pay tribute to some of that history and a lot of the promotions that they did and the uniforms that they used. And uh, even though it would seem uh, from an overview like a no-brainer to move up in the minor league ladder, like it was, from what I understand, they were like pretty reluctant to do it because they didn't want to sever any part of their history. And um, But that also I mean, goes into some elements of just double a baseball in general, like even with triple a technically being higher. I mean, a lot of people, myself included, enjoy double a baseball more than any other level, just because there are so many prospects that are reaching maturity. Uh, yet it's all these players for the most part that don't yet have major league experience. Uh, so you don't really have that influx of, um, <laughs> journeymen uh, i should say coming at different stages of their careers it's still it's that perfect blend of talents really manifesting after a number of years um and yet so the quality of competition and yet the stage of the career that these guys are in uh, i just think that's really special from watching it from the outside yeah for sure i'm in the unique position of having broadcast games at all four full season levels to go double A Biloxi to triple A Colorado Springs to high A Potomac to low A Fredericksburg. Now back to double A I've seen it all. And uh, I agree with you that in terms of following prospects, double A is probably the league that you'd like to follow the closest because once you leave double A, you're probably not coming back to double A. But there are unique charms to every level. And I think Jacksonville ultimately will be pretty happy down the road that they moved up to triple A because triple A carries with it its own kind of cachet. Right. Uh, well, now that you mentioned uh, the prospects and the players themselves, uh, you did get an opportunity, from what I understand, to see some of these players up close in Jupiter, where major league and minor league spring training is still kind of winding down at the moment. Uh, what, what sort of observations do you have from that, whether about individual players or just the way that the Marlins operate? Now that you've had you've had insight to several different major league op- organizations, is there anything in particular about the way that the Marlins do business that stuck out to you during your visit? More than anything, it was just nice to meet the manager, uh, Kevin Randall. They call him Smoke. And, uh, you know, meet a couple of the players that might be with us. Uh, I did see both the AA and the AAA rosters playing some backfield scrimmage games. But let's be clear. I mean, those rosters are pretty loose in spring training they throw the pitchers wherever they know they're going to get innings so i really don't have any idea what our roster is going to look like but uh it was unique for me to see uh, how the marlins and cardinals share a facility because growing up i always went to the twins complex in fort myers and they had it all to themselves and uh, that is a definite benefit i think in some regard but i think there's also a benefit to sharing a complex because you know that you already have a built-in opponent just uh, a walk away. And uh, that is something that like this year, it comes in handy when you want to minimize the travel and get the most bang for your buck in a limited spring training time. Right. Exactly. Um, so even though at, at this stage it might, might be a bit of big question as to what particular players that you're covering, you may have noticed, noticed that the Marlins have in recent years developed this 
reputation of being great at developing pitchers, in particular uh, starting pitchers. Uh, just to throw a couple names out that I, I feel pretty confident you'll see this year, Zach McCambly and um, probably Antonio Velez are both guys that were with Pensacola in the second half of last year and at uh, varying degrees of success while they were there. Have you had an opportunity during your career to call a no-hitter uh, or a perfect game? Uh, because I know that's something a lot of broadcasters really relish. Or if, if you haven't made it all the way through nine innings, have there been any really close calls with that? Never made it through all nine innings, never called a perfect game, never called a solo no-hitter. But I have had two combined no-hitters, and they just happened to be uh, parts of doubleheaders. So they were seven innings. Uh, the first one, I shared the broadcast uh, in Double A Biloxi, so I was not on the call for the final out. That one, uh, boy, I remember a couple of names. I remember Forest Snow was part of it, but it was, again, just a bullpen game, and it's one of those games where you don't even realize it's a no-hitter until you look up at the scoreboard and you realize, hey, we're five innings into a seven-inning game, and they don't have a hit yet, and it turned out that they didn't get one throughout the entire game. Last year in Fredericksburg, we also had a combined no-hitter. That was Again, a combined no-hitter. Again, a bullpen game, but made all the more peculiar by the fact that there was about an hour-long rain delay in between innings two and three. So the starting pitcher, Hilberto Chu, left. Uh, they had someone else go the middle three, Amos Willingham, I believe, and then Leif Strom got the final uh, out in a seven-inning combined no-hitter that I think was a final score of 12 to nothing. So, again, not exactly high stress or high drama, but a nice little footnote in an inaugural season for the Fred Nats and something that I can always remember fondly. Right. I hadn't been thinking about this until the words came out of my mouth, but, I mean, in the minor leagues at this point, the way not just with doubleheaders, uh, but especially with nine-ending games, but even with seven-ending games, just the way that most of these players are – the pitchers are really closely managed with their innings totals over the course of a whole year. And just knowing um, that ultimately their value to these teams is what they do in the majors. It's, I mean, it's hard to imagine a scenario where you're calling a one pitcher full no hitter in the minors, right? Just because of the way that those circumstances and best practices have changed with the way that these teams handle their pitching prospects. Yeah, there's only one that immediately comes to mind in recent memory, and that is here in Pensacola. We're celebrating our 10th season, so we're looking back at some of the more memorable moments in this team's history. Uh, in 2017, when I was in this league calling games for Biloxi, Tyler Malley, who was at the time a Reds prospect, uh, was pitching here in Pensacola, and he threw a perfect game against the Mobile Bay Bears. And uh, just, you know, five years ago, it just it seems so foreign to me that they would let a starting pitcher go all nine innings. And uh, maybe if the situation were right and the pitch count were low enough, they would let that happen. But uh, even just in the changing pitching approaches, efficient pitch counts are uh, more and more hard to come by. So if we get one of those, we should definitely savor it because I don't think you see it happen too often in the minors anymore. Right. Marlins fans in general at the major league level have been spoiled to some extent. We've they've gotten, I think, six no-hitters already in the short history of their franchise and even from some unlikely pitchers. But even their drought is uh, building up a little bit and they're getting kind of anxious to see one of those performances coming up soon. I wanted, yeah, yeah, I hope so. But uh, coming this year in particular, now that there's a designated hitter in the National League, that actually changes uh, a whole lot about that it makes it even more incredible if it somehow happens. 
Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see the act of a pitcher with a no-hitter going out for a meaningless at-bat in the top of the ninth inning. I mean, that's kind of one of the charms of a National League no-hitter. I guess we won't see that ever again, where they're standing in the box, and you know they're never going to swing, but uh, they get a nice round of applause and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, no, I I hope that it happens here, and uh, I guess we'll see. I I guess quickly, while I brought up the topic of of the DH now that – it seems to be an official part of baseball moving forward. I suppose that didn't really impact you too much uh, as somebody that may have grown around, grown up around American league baseball. Is that something that you think it was just finally time to get done and long overdue? Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a DH world. I don't have too hard an opinion on it, but uh, having called upper levels, minor league baseball for a couple of years, you got to see the first cuts that some of these guys ever took. Uh, because at least in the olden days, speaking of you know prior to this year, uh, what would happen was if the two teams at Double A or above were both minor league teams, they would play under National League rules unless the managers decided that they didn't want to. So I got to see, I think Freddie Peralta, Brewers prospect, swing a bat for the first time in his life, and that wasn't pretty. Uh, and stuff like that. When you see firsthand how unprepared so many of these young pitching prospects are, uh, I think it was just as well that we got rid of it. And uh, hopefully the DH makes the game more exciting, even though you're losing a little bit of strategy, maybe they'll introduce different types of, uh, rules to introduce strategy in different ways. It, it was something in particular that really killed the Marlins last year, even by pitcher standards, theirs were, more impotent than anybody else's there were so many games where their third string catcher ended up taking a critical at bat late in the game just because they ran out of other available position players so it's i think the vast majority of people uh are kind of on the same boat as you with when it comes to that i wanted to finish up with just some questions about your broadcasting style and what people can expect from that, are there any like particular principles that are really important to you about how to effectively broadcast a game? Are there any catchphrases that you've carried throughout your career? Just other other bits of terminology that you feel that you use and that people should be prepared for when they listen to you? I think the thing that I always strive for in my broadcast is authenticity. As long as I'm being myself, then I don't have to act. And uh, if I don't have to act, then hopefully the listeners can appreciate that they're sensing something genuine when I feel excited or when I feel disappointed or anything that comes up over the course of a game and season. Um, I don't have any catchphrases. um, And that again, I think speaks to my desire to be authentic and make everything a spontaneous reaction to what I see. Uh, I, I think that also just approaching the game as a spectator and as a fan and realizing that the people who have tuned in did not tune in simply to hear you. They want to know about the game and the players. Uh, I think that's a good North star, a good barometer and something that I try and stay true to make sure that I'm not making it about myself and you can add to the enjoyment for the listener or the viewer without making yourself the star of the show. I think that's served many broadcasters well over the years and that's the way I like to approach it. This is one particular issue that came up with us last year, still going through various COVID protocols, how the interaction between broadcasters and players maybe wasn't able to be as intimate 
uh, last year as it was in usual years because of those precautions. And now I imagine almost all those have been pulled back. Um, yeah, how would you explain that, um, about how important it is to get to know these guys off the field or before and after games in order to like properly convey who they are when the game is actually going on? I'm not going to lie. Last year was really tough. And especially at the minor league level, when you're not allowed in the clubhouse and there are carve out rules for a potentially having a PR person in the clubhouse, but at the minor league level, you are the PR person. So there's no one on the inside to set up those interviews for you. You're really at the mercy of who's answering texts and who's answering calls. And uh, of course you understand when they don't pick up because they've got a job to do, but uh, yeah, you know, just, you learn so much from the players and from the other broadcasters, when you can have those face-to-face casual interactions in the clubhouse and the dugout around the batting cage and the press box, I try and, you know, go out to lunch with the other team's broadcaster once in a while. And that's a good way to learn about the other team and uh, take their temperature on how things are going. That all colors in the framework of the broadcast. And one thing that is very challenging about baseball, if you don't have that extra ammo going into a three hour live broadcast, there's plenty of downtime and uh, having those stories, those anecdotes help really fill that out and keep it engaging and high energy throughout the entire game. Uh, So yeah, this year, hopefully we are back to more normal at the very least. I know there are still going to be some COVID protocols and they're put there for a good reason, but the more we can interact with the players, the more we can help tell their stories and make them look and sound good. That's good for the game. Well, we're greatly looking forward to hearing those stories and learning about these players. This has been Eric Bremer from the Pensacola Blue Wahoos entering the 2022 season. The way that the schedule lines up, Marlins opening day is going to be the exact same day as the Blue Wahoos, but the time slots are just perfect because it's a 4.30 game Eastern time uh, for the Marlins playing the Giants, and then it's 7.30 Eastern, 6.30 local time for Pensacola on their opener. It creates a perfect doubleheader. Just like that. Yeah, Pensacola, despite being in Florida, is still central time, and we play the vast majority of our season in central time, save for, I think, one two-week road trip at the end where we go up into Tennessee and play Chattanooga and the Tennessee Smokies. So we'll be in central time. It'll be nice to have a little bit of time-shifted viewing if you want to go multi-screen or uh, multi-device. It's going to be a lot of fun this year. I think we're going to have a good team. I'm not sure what the team's going to look like, but – Uh, I think it's safe to say at this point, we're going to have some really talented pitchers coming here through Pensacola this year and uh, enough bats to win some ball games too. Yeah. I'll just throw out some names at the last minute to look forward to. I mentioned McCambly, Antonio Velez, Griffin Conine presumably is going to be back after finishing last year. Uh, He, of course, the the son of Mr. Marlin and everybody here is pulling for him to eventually reach the big leagues, uh, perhaps in the very near future. One one of their sleeper, but potentially in your bullpen. I don't know if the start of the year or the middle of the year, right-hander Anthony Maldonado. I really love his stuff. He was dealing with injuries last year, but he's a South Florida native, and he was really popping uh, as a prospect right before that injury. So that, that's another guy that I'll just put on your radar. Yeah, Maldonado, if he's healthy, should be a, a pretty big contributor. Uh, One of the nice things about being with the Blue Wahoos is our parent organization, the Studer family of companies, they own High A Beloit, the Skycarp. So I I think we're going to just naturally spend a little bit of time 
keeping an eye on those guys down there and uh, they will be future blue Wahoos if they perform well. So uh, another name that you didn't mention, and I don't know where he's going to start, but I had a chance to see Yuri Perez uh, down in Jupiter uh, facing the nationals double a team on a backfield. And I think it was seven strikeouts and three innings and change, just electric stuff. I don't need to tell you that. I know he's been a a pretty hyped up prospect in Marlins land here for the last year, but uh, yeah, wherever he starts, if he ends the season in Pensacola or higher, we will have been all the better for it because I think he's got some really, really exciting potential ahead of him. That's an understatement. That's an understatement. In my opinion, the very best prospect that they have, and it would be bold to start him at Pensacola. He's not not even 19 years old yet, but it seems um, inevitable that he will pass through at some point during the year. So One thing to keep an eye on with Perez, uh, to my knowledge, he's never really pitched in cold weather. So if they start him in Beloit, uh, that would be a change for him, uh, something that he will have to get accustomed to if he wants to be a big leaguer. But also, if they decide to just skip him straight up to Pensacola, maybe that will be part of the calculus, just trying to make sure that he's comfortable and set up for success wherever he starts. So that, that's going to do it here, uh, covering Pensacola Blue Wahoos, the, the future home of Yuri Perez and uh, the season-long home of Eric Bremer on the call of their games coming up in uh, just a couple of weeks. Appreciate all this time and insight, Eric. This is great. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Keep in touch throughout the season. It's going to be a fun one. And, and everybody, please listen to our pods throughout the year. We kind of streamlined our podcast operations. We used to call these shows Earning Their Stripes, and now I put it under the official show umbrella a whole lot of interviews with people around minor league baseball as well as a ton of prospects themselves so i'm sure i'll be in touch with eric indirectly to set up some of those interviews throughout the year right here on the fish stripes podcast wherever you get your podcast please subscribe rate and review all that fun stuff this has been eli sussman here as always go fish go fish